I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening, TC, and welcome all to our weekly podcast, The Current View, with the Idler Billsborough, Mr. Terry Curran. If you're listening free to the first half on Acast or Spotify, you can follow the links on the socials and access the full podcast via either Apple or become a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media, or follow the podcast on Twitter at Current View, or on Facebook, The Current View, or joining the conversation in our group, which is over 200, uh, sorry, 620 strong now. Thank you so much for your support. It's greatly appreciated. How are you, mate? Steady away? Steady away as usual. You like, you like, you like, you like to hear me say that, don't you? I think. That, that's the title of your next book, TC. And uh, what a great performance that you had on Talksport with uh, Johnny Owen and Mark Webster on Sunday morning. Absolute brilliant. I did message uh, Johnny on uh, a couple of other situations today, and he said you were absolutely superb, first class young man. They, they couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Couldn't stop laughing. They said to me, they said it was brilliant. Yeah. Superb. Oh. There's only one Terry Curran. Uh, there's only one. I, I can't remember the fella's name from Sheffield United, but what a goal at Craven Cottage uh, last night for the tremendous one nil away uh, Blades win. It looks as though he's doing a decent job, the new gaffer. But what have I, you sourced for us, TC, in terms of magic moments this week? I thought he played quite well. Though. I thought yeah. they played quite well last night. Mm. The uh, pressing really didn't give Fulham. Uh, any time on the ball and close all the space down. So, yeah, good performance by Sheffield United. My magic moments, I've got a couple this week. Um, I told you about that Martin Diaz for um, Blackburn. It weren't the two goals he scored, but it was a yeah. piece of magic where one of the guys, one of the Blackburn guys had fallen over but managed to keep hold of the ball, plays it into Diaz and he, he, he turned just like the Cantona goal for Man United on his first game back, I think, our first game, second game back. When he chipped it in into the corner, but he he chipped it, but it went onto the crossbar. That was the first one, and the second one is that Embedelli, uh, uh, M- 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 Tottenham player, what played the ball through for Kane. Yeah. Absolutely split uh, uh, passing through a defence, and, and a great finish by Kane. I thought Tottenham played really well first half. You know. Took, Liverpool got back into it, but uh, they they were my two magic moments this week. But Brent's... and I've just seen I've just seen an unbelievable goal tonight uh, with Villarreal and uh, Alaves. Oh, brilliant goal! Brilliant but goal. Brenton Diaz 
uh, was a former player of Nottingham Forest. And um, since he's put Diaz to his name, he hasn't stopped scoring goals for Blackburn. He's been absolutely prolific. And you're right, that was Cantona-esque, where he's just hit it and where Eric scored and he just he turns around with the collar up as if to say, like, look at me, that's yeah. what you've come to see. And to be fair, absolutely spot on, because that's what we come to see, moments of brilliance. I also identified Ndombele's pass because I thought it was sublime. It was defence splitting. And I thought you Tottenham were real good value and really should have been home and home. Should have been 4-0 yeah. up. When mm-hmm. Dele Alli missed that chance, you're thinking, and Son messed it up you when Son, he was going yeah. around the goalie. Yeah. Well, Son missed it. Kane put a great ball. Well, yeah. a great ball. He just, he just bounced up, I think, a little bit too mm-hmm. high for him. But uh, the Tottenham, I thought, played really well. I'm very impressed with Tottenham first half. Yeah. But they've got, you know, they've got to do it for 90 minutes and they've got to do it more consistent. But they look a different team under Conte. Again, managers make a difference, don't they? And he does seem to be making that difference, Conte. He is a winner. I keep and good trying to tell Tottenham. people I know. you need a good manager. Absolutely. You know? But when we go back to Cantona, I mean, everybody said Cantona... Uh, were the first to play with his collar up. I put a photograph on this week to show everybody. No, I was the one, the first one to play with my collar up. Yeah. You know. Brennan Johnson's goal for Forrest as well. I thought oh. it was brilliant. The way he's took it down on his chest. And he's look just placed it, hasn't he? Yeah, just look at them under this Cooper. Yeah, again. Same players. Manager. Same players. Manager. You know, I keep telling people, mm. you know, They've got to get a philosophy. They've got to get their manager in. Mm-hmm. What, and he's got to play a philosophy what suits the players. Not suits the manager, suits the players. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I said about this Coop about two or three years ago. Yeah, you Maybe did. a bit longer than that because yeah. I watched him when he was in the academy uh, at Liverpool. Yeah. I used to watch Liverpool. Uh, I used to get a lot of the games on my uh, TV at uh, Liverpool um, Academy. Yeah. And I watched him, I watched his interviews and how he spoke and what he, how he was looking at things. And I thought, yeah, this kid this kid will go a long way. And then when he got the Swansea job, I said they'd be a dark horse. And he, he had him in the playoffs twice. And I think he did twice anyway. I'll finish in the top six. Uh, but he's done a tremendous job at Nottingham Forest. Absolutely. And you're right. It's all about philosophy, isn't it? You know, with Chrissy Uton on the back foot and you get this new fella who plays on the front foot. And, you know, the championship is one of those divisions that you have only need to have a decent run and that you can get in that shake up. You get into the playoff places. The others have a little bit of a wobble as Bournemouth and Fulham both have. Oh, they had at the moment in time, yeah. Exactly. Blackburn have got in between... Um, that those pair and West Bromwich Albion, and you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Nottingham Forest couldn't do that as well. Well, they're, they're knocking on the door. They're what, seventh in, in league, you know. Yeah. yeah. They're up there. You see, when you start knocking, when you start knocking on the door in and around Christmas, you know, uh, you've got a um, a chance of being either game promotion, automatic promotion, or being in the playoffs. And they've come with a hell of a run. And I and I think that I think they'll take that on even more so. But when you look at that champion, I've, I've listened to people for years now about how competitive. It's not to do with the competitiveness. What it is in that league? Yeah. They've always played teams play the similar type of football. They give you the ball, you give it back to them, right? And it looks as though uh, everybody's working out for each other. And what what they're doing is just giving the ball away. Yeah. 
Now, anybody what can pass a ball with the tempo, with accuracy, will get that consistency. Not only yeah. will they get that consistency, that foundation is laid down for, him, for that manager to take it on to the next level or somebody else comes in uh, and takes it on to the next level. Yeah. You know, if you keep giving the ball away like we have done for years, then it's going to be more difficult for, for you uh, as teams. But, I mean, what I will say about our league, because there is 92 football clubs, more than any other football t- uh, clubs in uh, uh, teams in the in the world, you know, they are comp- they are competitive, our games, because they do work hard. This is what makes me laugh when people say, you know, players, you know, they, they, they don't play for managers. In general, I get that. There's sometimes when the players fall out with certain managers, I do get that. But what I will say is this. In general, players want to work hard because, for me, they gain a bonus because they want to play in the team. They don't want to be out of the team. Yeah. So I don't take that. I don't take all that nonsense about players don't try. I I, I think they do try. Well, I do. I, they do try, but some are just better teams than others, and that's it. End of story. But there's better managers and there's better players with better teams. Absolutely. And Lewis Potter's goal for Hull City in the same game. Yep. I thought it was fantastic the way he took the ball out of his feet, then just stuck it in the onion bag. Absolute quality. I don't know much about Lewis Potter, but I'm, when I look at players that can do things like that, I go, oi, oi. Hello, can he do that again? What's he got in his locker? Especially if you're a young kid. But I've watched that Brennan Johnson a few times for Nottingham Forest and he really has caught my eye. I think he looks a right player, he does. When, I, when I've seen Forest uh, under Cooper, they'll look a different yeah. team. They'll look a different team. You know, still they could be the tempo a little bit quicker, but they've got a, the tempo now is a lot better uh, under um, Cooper than it was under... Chris Hewton. And now the thing is with Chris Hewton, I played against him. He was absolutely a brilliant football player. Yeah. But we, we drilled it into our coaches about fear of losing and that's they go too much defensive minded. Yeah. You know, but you're right, the young boy at Forest looks a terrific player. And so does the young kid at uh, Hull. I mean they've had they've had a decent little bit of a run put together because they were in the right mess at one one time. So I hope they stay up and all Hull. Absolutely. And on this day, TC, it's another feature that we do on the podcast. 21st of December, 70 years ago, the uh, baby-faced assassin was born, Steve Perryman. Steve Perryman, 70 today? Where's that time gone? I know. I know. When, when, when you said that, 70 years ago. And he was, he was the baby-faced before um, Solskjaer came to Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, you're right, 70 years of age. And I'm 66. I, I just can't. It doesn't seem two minutes since you know since you were playing football, since you were a kid playing football in the street, and how time it, it drags when you're at school and when you leave school. By does it fly by? It's... And when you play football and the be lads we playing today, they will hear people say to them, you know, enjoy, it, uh, make sure you're right because before you before you know the game's over for you, and it does. It just flies by. Life just flies by, doesn't it? I mean, I've been to a few um, celebrations of Aston Villa's glorious successes in 1981 and 82 when they won the First Division Championship for the first time in 71 years and then went on and won the European Cup. And you look at that, and particularly when you're looking at Aston Villa, that those successes were when I was in my last year at school and when I had my first year at work. And you look back and you just think, where have those 40 years gone? But Steve, I, uh, I love Steve Perryman. Uh, he's the coolest 
podcaster on the uh, on the block um look out for his podcast absolutely fantastic and i messaged him yesterday i'm gonna do a, a podcast of my 70s uh, football legends with steve perryman i have got his book so we're gonna give that another plug steve perryman a spur forever my lily white blue and life in the forward by his good pal glenn Hoddle. it is a work of art it's fantastic it's a very very thick book uh, vision sports publishing so i'm gonna try and read it because i am uh, gonna interview steve and i did wish him happy birthday and in his words were the baby face assassin has finally grown up and he's 70 <laughs> so happy birthday to steve perryman such a smashing guy a brilliant football player and that leads us nicely into book corner in association with myfootballbooks.com and andy sent us a couple of books this week Late December back in 63, I almost want to burst out in song when I see that title. Uh, my mum and dad have just been to see the Jersey Boys as well at the Alex. So, uh, you know, great band, great times. But it was the Boxing Day. Frankie for- Valley, that weren't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, yeah. But the... Um, the Boxing Day Football Goal Crazy by Ian Davidson. 66 goals in 10 games. I think it was that day that Fulham beat Ipswich 10-1. It just went goal crazy on that Boxing Day. And then 12 months prior to that, Boxing Day 62 was one of the last games that lots of football clubs played until the beginning of March because we had the big freeze. No. Yeah, the big freeze, 66, yeah. uh, 62, 63 season. 63, yeah. Yeah. There were, so. some, there were bad, I remember that bad snow then, 63. Well, there were so many games called off, wasn't there? I mean, the third round of the FA Cup... Um, went went through. I think they were still playing games in March for the first for the third round of the FA Cup. Literally everything froze, didn't it? In uh, and so that that's going to be. Um, there must be a book about the big freeze as well. But there is a big there is a book late December back in '63, which of course was the season after by Ian Davidson. Right, so two two. Two books there for us to get stuck into, or for people for who uh, like reading books, and like like you brought you brought a lot of this uh, to the to the front forefront. Uh, you know, people buying books again because of it. Oh, good goal that was. Uh, just pull one back, Alaves. But no, it's it's great to have all different aspects in this podcast, which we which we do. And obviously, it's not just about football. It is everything's about football, but it, there's other things to it, like. You know, fetching these books out, and and it's the past years of football, because like you said, football didn't start with the Premier League. No, it never. I mean, it started in the football league started in 1888, and football started before that when we're kicking the ball around. That book is uh, late December back in '63. I'm not sure if there's a book about the big freeze. I've read many articles about it, but I'm gonna research. And we do a regular uh, podcast book corner with Andy, and Andy knows so much more about books than what I do and I take his lead and I take his recommendations and the second recommendation this week was the Mavericks by Rob Steen <clears throat> English football when flare war flares quite splendid just delicious and brilliantly researched the times and on the front is Tony Curry kissing Alan Birchnell fantastic those are just wonderful days of the 70s when Mavericks ruled the 
Well, they, they ruled the Football League, didn't they? Of course, there was no Premier League in those days. It's such a shame, you know, that um, our coaches just didn't want to know these yeah. type of players. I mean, Glenn Hoddle's um, documentary on uh, BT mm. is a good one. And, and he was saying about English coaches not liking those types of players. But Glenn Hoddle disappointed me when, when he became manager because he did the same thing with Gaza yeah. and same thing with Latisse. And I put a little clip on today about yes. Latisse. And when you look at it, you think, how can he not? How can he not have 50, 80, 100 caps? Tell me, it's just incredible, isn't it? But it's, it's just actually, it's laughable, but it is not funny. No. You know, when you look at Matthew Letizier, I mean, he got a scattering of caps. I can't remember how many he did. Five. Was, it, was that all he got? Five? But that, that might have been under 23s or something, under 21s, whatever it was. Under 23s, I think it was. But again, Latiz, had he have been French, Italian, Spanish, no. he would have had over a hundred. He could caps. have got. Well, I would imagine he could have played for uh, France because Latiz is a French name, isn't it? He's born in um, Guernsey. 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 Because yeah. Lasso was born in Jersey and uh, Latiz was born in Guernsey. I'm not too sure whether uh, whether he could have or whether he couldn't have, because you know it, it is a British island, isn't it? After you know yeah. all said and done. So yeah, I'm it, not it, sure. It's a French name. French yeah, name. but a lot of those names out there in Guernsey and Jersey are kind of Gallic names, aren't they? Because, you know, they've always fought over it for centuries and centuries. But technically and politically, uh, I don't know whether he could have um, because it is a British island. So I, I don't know. But you're right. It is a, a French name. I'm sure, and, I have, I'm sure I have read something where he said he could have qualified yeah, as French. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I'd have a little tenor on it. I could lose it, but I, I, I'm confident. I am confident. But I'll, I will find out for next week myself. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, but again, what a play, whether he could have or whether he couldn't oh. have, how he never received 100 caps for England is just beyond belief. But again, just a master of the ball. What we, <sighs> for some unknown reason, we'd not want to. I want, no. I'm trying to think when I played for Sheffield United, we're going out of Portsmouth, and the, he was a reporter for Sheffield United. He'd been there for years and years. Big, big Tony Curry fan. Yeah. And we used to have a bit of a quiz on Buzz and what have you, and we were talking about it. He said, Well, you can't play all them players. You know, because I was talking about Hudson and Curry's and all that of this. We were playing in the same team, yeah. and and I said to him, "Well, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you play with all those? Well, who's going to win the ball?" I said, "Well, who's going to give the ball away?" Exactly. I said to him, "Who's going to give the ball away?" Anyway, I never, I never thought of that. I said, "Well, then." And when you look, and when you look, what Guardiola's team have done, mm. right? And he's taking it on from the next level, from Christ's team. Yeah. They just don't give the ball away, do they? No, they just pass the ball, pass the you ball, know, pass the what ball. What people make me say the work hard, the work hard. The work hard. They don't give the ball. They have the ball 70% at game. Exactly. You work hard when you're they chasing. That's why we don't see it. I know. You know, they just do not very, very gave the ball away. And I'm trying to think what his name was. He was a big, he was a big Sheffield United fan. He was with their reporter for years and years and years when, when Curry and them were there when I joined them. And when I said that to him, he went, you know something? I've never thought of it like that. But do you know because what? I said, I was, you know, when I was talking about these players yeah. playing in the same team, he said, you can't have... I said, why can't you? They don't give the ball away. They don't panic on the ball. But it, it's so simple to see. When I used to like manage and coach my kids' football team many years ago, I used to play a game of possession, and I knew what players 
couldn't pass the ball and what players could pass the ball. So I'd get all my passes, passing it, and, you know, your, your 20, 30 passes that you put together. Do you think... And they're blowing out the backside the other. And I said, listen, if you want to have an easier game, you control that ball and you pass it. If you, th- that's what you have to do when you ain't got the ball, run around like that. And so you've got two choices, guys. You either keep hold of the ball and pass the ball, or you're chasing it. And if you're chasing it, you're going to be working twice as hard as if you're passing it. You watched, it. we watch when you play teams what don't keep the ball like yeah. Manchester City. You watch other teams. Mm-hmm. Some players won't pass with the players because they know that player. Yeah. They can't trust them with the ball. Yeah. Right? And what makes me laugh is some of these managers, they're giving instructions on before they went on to pitch. And I get, I get, I get, I get the, I understand why they, they're giving them instructions. But you know, good players yeah. should know. Of course they should. Because they've got, what, 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 what people forget, what managers forget is things happen in an instant, right? So a manager might turn around and say, I want you to do this, do this, do this. Mm-hmm. But you play, when you play against quality players, they react quicker than this, you know, not the, they're not so quality players. You know what I mean? Of course they do, yeah. You've got so to add lib, haven't you? There's no you've script. Got to, you've got to act. You've got to yeah. think quicker than what they're thinking. There's no script so, in football. So, so at the end of the day, get quality to your team, play with the tempo, what the other, what the teams are going to struggle against, and get players what's got a football brain. Yeah. I, what can see the openings early and what can close the spaces down early to stop the, the opposition causing your problems. And now, that's what you've got to look for players, what can do that. Yeah. And then get them into your team. So, right, this is what we're going to do. We are going to still work hard. We're going to train hard. Right? But there's, there's, a, there's a limit to, to your training hard. You don't overtrain, yeah. but you don't undertrain. Yeah. And it's the same with coaching. You know, they're trying, to, they're trying to teach people how to play football when they weren't great players themselves. Absolutely, I'm not saying that so. can't be done. Mm. What I'm saying is because they haven't played the game, because I've never been against that. Yeah, I've been just against boring training. Yeah, and coaching. Absolutely, and the final book is a book that I've picked this week: Trevor Ford, the authorised biography by Neil Palmer, which leads us nicely, TC, into Time Vault: Too Good to Be Forgotten, and I've put Trevor in. Too good to be forgotten, the time vault this week. I was with my dad Sunday, and we were talking about old footballers, and he said, oh, Trevor Ford, Nip, what a player he was. Down the villa, he was absolute mustard. But you don't hear too much about him, do you, son? You don't hear about all these great players of the 40s and the 50s. They just seem to be forgotten, which is the essence of our time vault, too good to be forgotten. First and foremostly, your memories of Trevor Ford. Have you got any, TC? No, I, if I'm honest, don't forget, I were. No, I mean, no. When you're talking yeah. about 40s and 50s, yeah. I was born in 55. Yeah, same, yeah. So, for, so for me, uh, those players, I, I remember 62, 63 Tottenham, maybe 60, 61, yeah. Burnley winning the league. Mm. Tottenham doing the double. I, I remember clearly 65, 64 yeah. Man United Leicester Cup final. 63, that Six, was. 63. Yeah. 64, 65 Liverpool, weren't it? Liverpool, was it? Uh, 64 was um, Preston, North End, West Ham. Right. And then 65 Liverpool. Yep. 
Leeds. Right, Sheffield Wednesday, 66. West yeah. Brom, 67. So, all from then, 60, 60. Now, the Preston West Ham, I don't really 60, remember that 67 one. But I remember, I remember the Tottenham. United Leicester one, 63. So, mm. in fact, Howard Kendall was the youngest. Uh, 64, yeah. Yeah, he was. 64, but mm. now when I think about it. But I can't remember the game. But I remember yeah. the Liverpool. I remember the Man United Leicester game. And I remember the um, uh, Liverpool uh, Leeds. Yeah. Uh, Ian St. John playing in that uh, cup final. So, no, I, I, I don't remember Trevor Ford. No. Well, in 63, I was just a thought in my dad's head, you know, and, and I certainly don't remember Trevor Ford, but my dad did. And I thought, well, who better to talk to about Trevor Ford than the guy that wrote the book, Neil Palmer. So, Neil, welcome to uh, The Current View and uh, Too Good To Be Forgotten. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I it's, really do. It's absolutely uh, mine and Terry Curran's pleasure to uh, to have you here. First of all, I want a little bit of a backstory because um, we've never spoken before. We haven't linked up before. And then also, then after that, why Trevor Ford? Now, I was talking to my dad yesterday and he said, Nip, Trevor Ford, what a centre forward at the Villa. But he was born in Swansea. He first, his first club was Swansea Town before they went into Swansea City. So a little bit about you and uh, how did you come about, Trevor? Well, um, massive football fan. I'm a, a child of the, uh, of the 60s. Um, so the 60s and really the 70s were were my era. My dad um, was an apprentice, was a uh, apprentice at Cardiff City. Uh, Trevor Ford is a player who, he's, he's, every single centre forward that ever, that's ever been on the television is always measured by Trevor Ford as far as my dad's concerned. He does the same with singers. He compares them all to Frank Sinatra. So Trevor Ford was a was always the name, what a centre forward he was, what a centre forward he was. And the book really came about. I'd done a few sort of bits and pieces. Uh, I did some stuff for Cardiff, and I did some books of Bristol City, who was on my my club. And we had, I went to a Cardiff game with my dad, and it was a uh, you know, cold Tuesday night, and I think Cardiff were playing somebody like Hull City. Um, what Cardiff year was that? Nice. That would probably have been about ninety four, ninety five. Got you. So we're sat there, and my dad's gone. God, there's Trevor Ford sat down there. Trevor was sat there, camel hair coat, looked absolutely immaculate, just sat on his own. And I was aware of people coming up to him and asking for his, his autograph and that sort of stuff. And I just remember watching the game, but also one eye on Trevor Ford. And then I just did a lot of research on him then and said, right, well, no one's ever... I couldn't believe anyone had, hadn't written a book about Trevor. And then, so I thought, well, maybe I should do it because... If some of the stories that my dad's told me about Trevor are true, then you know that 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 will make for a, a book. And also, I always felt he was a little bit forgotten yeah. um, regarding when they talk about great Welsh footballers. And, and you know, fair enough, you've got your John Charles, and rightly so, even like your Gareth Bales and your Ian Rushes and stuff like that, and Ivor Oldchurch. But Trevor always seemed to be forgotten in a way, and. Um, and then I contacted, I managed to get hold of his son, David, who's, who's still a friend to this day. And uh, yeah, between the two of us, he told me stuff and I you know, went here, there and everywhere. And that's really how the book came about. Now, Trevor, do you think he was forgotten 
because he got banned, didn't he? Yeah, I, he was. I mean, sort of moving on with his career. What he did is he he wrote a book when he when he was at Cardiff, which would have been about fifty six, I think, called yeah. "I Lead the Attack." Yeah. Now, what he did with that book is he, he he what he wanted to do was force this business of a maximum wage. Trevor was. He wasn't like footballers of that generation. Um, when you talk to players who shared uh, changing rooms with him, he was like a bit of a film star, to be honest. But he, the phrase is he knew his own worth. And by that, he knew, and he would say it, people have come to see me. They haven't come to see a fullback, and they haven't come to see a goalkeeper. Correct. They've come to see me because I put the ball in the net. And, you know, all right, there was a certain amount of arrogance like that, but you understood where where he was coming from yeah. and so he knew his own worth and he wanted to force the issue now he'd been at Sunderland the millionaire club and he, he'd had payments and that sort of thing so we thought if he forced the issue point being then when the book come out he was banned and it was a perfect excuse at the time which as I say would have been about 56 his Welsh career was stopped straight away by the Welsh selectors because what they did it was their opportunity to get to get Trevor because he was very outspoken, outspoken about the way things, the Welsh FA ran things with committees. And in the end, I know it's moving forward, but he wasn't selected for the 58 World Cup, um, which he, he was devastated by the fact that he wasn't, even though he was really almost out of football, but he was over in Holland at the time, still scoring goals. But they didn't want anything to do with him. And as it churned out in 58, there was no cover for John Charles. Charles gets injured and the quarterfinals, they play Brazil and they haven't really got a centre forward. And it would have been, it's all in hindsight, I know, but it would have been the perfect stage for Trevor Ford. But he wasn't. Young. And when you look at some of the players who went in his place, they certainly weren't of the calibre of Ford, but he was outspoken. No, that's exactly why he got banned. Exactly why they wanted to shut him up because he yeah. was outspoken. And nothing ever yeah. changes in football. They like this kind of old boys kind of club, but it isn't yeah. quite like that. Sunderland, no, you, refer- mean... you reference Sunderland, the, 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 the millionaires. They were known as the Bank of England club as well, wasn't they? They were indeed. And what happened with them, one of the great stories that, that I was taught, Stan Anderson told me, and it was great to speak to the late, great Stan Anderson who played for Sunderland, Billy Bingham at the time, who, who shared changing rooms with him. Trevor was invited by a director. He just signed for Sunderland, and he was invited by a director to go and play snooker with him. And he said, I'm, I'm not really a snooker player. And the director said, no, come on, you will have a game. And then he said, we'll play for £100, Trevor. Now, bearing in mind a footballer was on £20 a week, and Trevor sort of went, well, you're, you're joking, aren't you? And he went, no, we'll have a game. And as it was, that was the way that Sunderland paid Trevor the £100 a month that they were paying him. They were paying him because they would play snooker every single month. And the To listen to the rest of this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash srbmedia or just follow the links in the description. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 